Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to the show. This is the RR Show, the best show on the internet. Now, I bet you're a little bit confused why you're hearing this on Wednesday when it's normally our Patreon episode on Wednesday. So for a little while, we're going to try something a little bit different. We're going to put a hold on doing the uh, Patreon episodes on Wednesday for a little bit and release the episodes as normal episodes, so you'll be getting three episodes a week, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Now, if you are an existing Patreon, thank you so much for supporting us. Don't worry, we're going to cancel the subscription for you. Our $1 Patreon still exists, though, so if you want the ad-free episodes, you can still jump onto that. If you were a Patreon and want to get access to the episodes that used to be the Patreon-exclusive episodes, just drop us a message on Discord or email us and we'll get those to you. If you have any questions, just drop us a message on Discord. Link to that is in the show description and it's also on the rrshow.com. In the meantime, this is now episode 185. We're jumping into r slash pro revenge. Grab your tea, your popcorn, and let's go. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. My name is Taylor. Welcome to the Eras Tour. Experience Taylor Swift's record-breaking Eras Tour. Does anyone here know the lyrics? Prove it! Taylor Swift, the Eras Tour, Taylor's version. With four additional acoustic songs. Now streaming only on Disney+. This occurred in a, shall we say, southern state. I won't mention the state because, well, you'll see. I was an account manager for a digital marketing company. We sold lead generation services to business owners to generate leads. One of our key selling features was if you turned on call tracking numbers and recorded phone calls, we'd guarantee you X amount of leads based upon Y spend. And if we failed to meet that, you'd be entitled to partial, or if we really failed, potentially, full refund. Some things to know about advertising. CTN, call tracking number, is a unique number that's assigned to a certain point of advertising that consumers call. This number is only on that piece of advertising. It routes to the business line, and unless the consumer is very observant, they have no idea they're using a CTN. Call recording. If you turn on CTNs, we can record the calls and store the audio on our servers. The business has to consent to this. Also, when you call, you'll hear a message that this call is recorded for quality assurance type message. Both of those are required to be eligible for our service guarantee. Storytime Part 1 The Lay of the Land The business in question was a small dad and son contracting company with a couple of employees. They primarily focused on smaller jobs such as windows, drainage, finishing, etc. Unfortunately, this business owner was a royal pain in the ass. He went back years and his account was filled with nothing but complaints. Also, there was a strong suspicion that he was racist because his last account manager was black. The business owner, who we will name Scott, refused to ever meet in person with the previous manager. Also, I was white. He had no issues finding the time to sit down with me and tell me how shit our service is. Well, it's coming up to do contract renewal and he says we aren't producing his leads and he wants to put in a claim for failing to meet our service guarantee. 
I spoke to my manager about this and he said he wants me to listen to his calls, write a detailed report and present my findings to the manager. The manager is worried that this may end up in court due to the dollar amount involved. Nearly a whole working week of hours. I probably spent damn near 40 hours on this and I wrote a detailed 24-page report outlining the results of our advertising. To say I shred this business owner's business practices is an understatement. The report was a straight-up attack on his poor customer service skills, disorganization, inability to execute and complete, and total failure of anything resembling any sense of standard business practices that just makes logical sense. I'll share with you a few examples of the types of calls I listened to. Small calls where multiple phone calls are truly epic in their total incompetence. Customer number one was a small-time landlord who had three different properties that had received a quote from Scott for work. The landlord had accepted Scott's quote and agreed to do business. In one voicemail message, offered to pay a deposit to start work. Throughout four voicemail messages, this poor landlord went from, hey, I want to pay you, to, are you okay, to, why the fuck aren't you returning my calls? Yeah, I said voicemails. Scott had gone out to this man's property, quoted his pricing, and then straight up refused to do anything more. Why? I, I legit have no idea. I called the customer in question and said I was the quality assurance agency and was doing a survey on Scott's performance. The guy ended up paying Scott's competitor about 15% more to do the work and was utterly beside himself on why Scott ignored him. I was also confused. FYI, all my calls were recorded and put into the company records. Customer 2 This one in particular really pissed me off. Again, the public housing office called Scott to get a quote on work that involved 25 different homes. Scott was kind enough to answer the phone this time, which ironically was one of the few fucking times he ever answered the phone. Initially, Scott sounded happy to get such a big, profitable job. Then Scott learned two things. It was Section 8 housing, and it was in a neighborhood that was mostly black and Hispanic. Immediately upon learning this, Scott informed the housing office that unfortunately he's super booked, not true, and that his area is actually out of his service area, also not true. The housing office was confused and was like, so you're not interested in bidding? And Scott said, no, no I'm not, and hung up. He didn't even say goodbye. So... I did a quick uh, quality assurance call to the housing office and the lady was completely confused as to why Scott wasn't even remotely interested in the job. Luckily for Scott, the lady didn't connect that Scott was a racist cunt because discrimination against a protected class is a crime. Customer 3 It was an overseas phone number from Japan. A service member stayed up late to call Scott during his business hours. This person told Scott he was deployed overseas. Still, over the weekend, someone broke into his home back in the States, where Scott operated out of. He was trying to arrange for a new door. He mentioned this was an emergency as his wife had been forced to stay at a hotel. Scott never returned his calls, nor made any effort to contact him on the email he provided. He never called the wife, who was local. It was a super easy job that Scott could have done in about an hour or so and made a solid profit. So, I think that's enough examples. Part 2. Review and Plan The actual report at the end said out of the X phone calls, Scott failed to properly service the leads in about 70% of the cases. And I could keep on going. Still, I felt X number was enough 
that a clear trend had been established. It wasn't that our service wasn't producing leads for Scott, it was that Scott was a racist bigoted cunt who everyone fucking hated. Obviously, I said that in a more professional language. When I presented the report to my manager, he looked down at it and went, Damn, 24 pages? I asked if it was fine and he smiled and said, I got a pretty good idea of what this is going to say. He said he'd review it and get back to me. So a day later, he came to me and said he'd gone over the report. The VP had gone over the report and he asked what I thought the recommended course of action should be. My recommendation. Remove all discounts, charge Scott total price for our service and clearly explain our job is to provide him with leads. It's his job to sell those leads. If he can't convert our leads into business, that's not our problem. Scott was getting a 70% discount. Our price was built with discounts in mind. My manager was like, yeah, he'll probably cancel and I'll ask my manager. And is that a problem? If Scott was going to remain my client, he was going to pay dearly for that privilege. If he wasn't willing to pay, I am happy to let him walk. My manager smiled and said, nope. Part 3. The Meeting My manager and I called Scott and arranged a meeting. I created a PowerPoint summarizing my findings. About one third of the way, Scott gives in and tells me to get to the point. I knew this was going to be a heated meeting, so I wanted my manager present both as support and witness. So I explain it's our job to bring him leads. It's his job to sell them. His failure to do that is not our problem. He gets irritable and pissy. My manager backs me up. He goes, fine, I'll renew my contract at the same rate. To which I go, yeah, you see, you didn't let me get to that part. We have a new pricing for you. Scott goes, lower? I go, no, 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 not lower. My manager smirked. Scott asked me for the new rate. I hit him at the full rate, which was three times what he was paying. Scott's furious with me, says I'm overcharging him, says I'm ripping him off, says I'm a horrible salesperson. He tells my manager I should be fired for treating him like this. My manager looks at me and I'd been waiting for this moment. Truth be told, I gave zero fucks what Scott fought me. If anything, my goal was to get him to cancel. Scott, you're a challenging client. Therefore, the pricing for our service needs to reflect the challenge of providing you service so we'll be charging you our full rate. If you like, I'd be happy to go over why this ROI still makes sense based on our past performance. This was wording I had gone over with my management before using it. My manager felt it was fine. And it felt so amazing to say those words. It was the nicest way I could say, you are a cunt. If I'm going to work with you, it's gotta be worth my while. Scott says we're a bunch of greedy fucking pricks. He says, I'm going to cancel, to which I say, that is an outcome we have decided is acceptable if that's what you choose to do. Scott huffs and goes, and what about my refund? Dismayed, I go, Scott, we've clearly demonstrated we did our part. The reason why you aren't bringing in sales is because your company's inability to close on leads we generate. To which Scott goes, so you're saying I don't know what I'm doing? To which I say, Scott, if you agreed to sign at the new rate, I'd be happy to sit down with you and help you free of charge on how to improve your sales techniques and close more of your leads. This is me telling him he doesn't know how to run his business and was very much meant as an insult. Scott goes, nah, fuck you, I'm calling my lawyer. I go, all right, so I take it you're not going to renew? He goes, fuck no, 
My manager goes, that's fine. Would you like us to email you our report on your leads? Scott goes, sure, I'll show my lawyer. FYI, we never heard from Scott's <clears throat> lawyer. We wish Scott a good day and he leaves. Later, we wrote him an email, attached a report and also told him if his lawyer would like the recording in question, we can send that file over as well. Our bases were well and truly covered and we knew it. I suspect he also came to the same realization, but he had too much pride to admit that. Part 4. Make sure that dagger is nice and deep. A few weeks go by. My manager says we gotta shut down his account, so I need to call him and ask him what he wants to do with his CTN number, which we control. In our contract, we say at the end of the agreement the customer has the right to have the number ported over, for a fee. It would have been normal to waive the fee as a gesture of goodwill, but Scott desired zero goodwill, and he received what he desired. I tell my manager that there is no way that I'm porting the number for free, and just like his quote, I'm charging him full rate. 15 bucks a number. The total came out to be just a bit over 100 bucks. So I call Scott, I get his voicemail, but he doesn't answer. I write him a registered letter, and in that letter I outlined he has 30 days to respond. We have his CTNs, and if he's willing to pay 15 bucks per number to port them, then we'll transfer those numbers over to his phone provider. One morning, I wake up to like a dozen hateful text messages in which Scott told me to go and burn in hell. I took that to mean that Scott was not interested in porting over his numbers, and I reviewed those texts with my manager. We saved all of those messages and uploaded them to his account. So, is that all? Of course not. Part 5. But wait, there's more! So here I was with seven CTN numbers that had been in service for literally years. Those seven numbers were saved in Scott's customers' phones, and to many of Scott's customers, those numbers were Scott's number. Obviously, they wouldn't be advertised to anymore, but that doesn't mean that they won't produce phone calls. Now, if I just let the numbers die, the customers will call and simply be told, this number is no longer in service. Now, I'm not entirely sure if what I did was legal, but it's been quite a few years, so, you know, I'm comfortable introducing you to Bobby. Bobby was another southern boy, but as much of an arsehole that Scott was, Bobby was a sweetheart. His mama would bake pies for me for our meetings. He was a complete joy to work with. Bobby also owned a similar business to Scotty, but Bobby's business was more advanced, did more types of jobs, and also serviced the same area. So I submitted a service request to port all of Scott's seven CTNs to Bobby's account, and I waived the fee. So all of a sudden, hundreds of Scott's customers would think they're calling Scott, but they'd get to Bobby. Bobby had his call routed to his secretary, Ashley, who was also an angel. Ashley was also a wickedly talented saleswoman, and I know for a fact she'd be able to take Scott's clients and convert them for Bobby. So that's what I did. I had those seven CTNs ported over to Bobby. This did a few things that benefited nearly everyone involved. Bobby got more business. I produced more leads for Bobby, which means Bobby was comfortable with spending more money with me, which meant I made more money. And Scott's old customers got a better service. Part 6. Capitalizing on my revenge At the next performance meeting with Bobby, Bobby was very pleased with the sudden uptick in new customers. He even asked me, what did you do to my account? 
I smiled and said, I reviewed your account and made a few tweaks. Have you seen any improvement? He absolutely did. He asked me, did this cost anything extra? I go, nope. He ended up increasing his spend with us by about 40% on additional services. I googled Scott's business about a year later. He wasn't in business anymore. I wonder why. No, my company never caught on to me porting over the numbers. I strongly suspect our legal department would not have been pleased. Do you enjoy science, spooky stories, and all things paranormal? We do too. While we would love for most paranormal stories to be true, we are here to tell you that they probably aren't. But that doesn't make them any less fun to speculate about. We are the Spooky Science Sisters podcast. In this podcast, we bring you bi-weekly discussions on possible scientific explanations behind the supernatural. Backed up by research articles and other credible sources, we do deep dives into things like archaeology and physics and share in-depth discussions with topic experts. Visit us at SpookySciencesisters.com to listen to a couple of skeptics debunk some of your favorite alien encounters, cryptid sightings, and ghost stories with science, sass, and a significant amount of laughter. Thank you, and stay spooky. That is amazing. Imagine someone coming in for a business meeting and bringing a freshly baked fucking pie. Damn right, that's how it should be done. It should be like a standard etiquette that if you go to a meeting, you take a pie. Our next story is from Reaper0221. It's a really, really bad idea to make a government employee angry. This one is a double government employee event, and what you should know is if you get the attention of a government employee and make them angry, they will make your life a living hell. Sorry, this is a long one. The setup is that I am working for a local county government in the permitting department that handled drainage and flood plan enforcement. I received a complaint from a homeowner. Nice guy, lived next door to a house that was part of an incorporated village. Not a nice guy. Nice guy lived in an uncorporated portion of the county and hence the call to me as an agent of the county. I drove out to the site to investigate and discovered some interesting facts. The permitting agent for the village allowed the incorporated homeowner to fill his lot affecting the drainage, which caused the uncorporated lot to flood every time there was anything more than a light rain. Nice guy indicated that there was some tension between him and not a nice guy. And part of the issue was that nice guy and his partner were a gay couple. This ran up a red flag for me, but in trying to be impartial, I took the information and some photos for the file and indicated that I would contact the village to find a resolution. I wrote a letter and then called the village inspector, Jack Wagon, to discuss. I was told by Jack Wagon that the village could do as it pleased and that I could do nothing to stop not nice guy from doing as they pleased as it was approved by the village. There was then a comment about those type of people, the gay couple, making complaints just to cause trouble. I was now on the case and it was time to make sure everything done on the incorporated lot was 100% legal. At this point, the game certainly was now on. Because if there is one thing that grinds my gears, it's bullying. I went back out and spoke to nice guys to let them know what I was up to, and also that I was not going to let this slide. I then started investigating the elevations on the two lots, and what fill had been placed on the incorporated lot. The not nice guy came out and started getting belligerent about my presence and ongoing investigation. 
He incorrectly stated that I did not have jurisdiction over his lot and that he would be calling the police. I patiently listened and then pulled out my two-way radio and requested that the home base dispatch both a village and a county police unit to the location. I then indicated that since there was a regulatory floodplain on his lot, I did in fact have jurisdiction and that I would be exercising my right to determine the impact of his fill activities under that floodplain. Both of the police units showed up and I let them know what was going on. They were both appropriately agitated to have to waste their time and let not nice guy know that I was within my authority to proceed with the investigation. A little while later, while I was measuring things, Jack Wagon showed up. He started berating me about harassing the village residents and threatening calling my boss and filing a complaint and so forth. I invited him to do so, quoting which parts of the code he should indicate I was violating. I was using marking paint to show the limits of the floodplain for the photo for the file, and what you know, Jack Wagon's shoe got painted when he tried to stop me. Obviously, he was even more angry, as was the homeowner's due to a very bright orange paint on the grass in his yard. I pointed out I had done the same on the neighboring lots, but they just kept complaining. It was actually marking chalk that comes off pretty easily. Interestingly, I found two really wrong things on Not Nice Guy's lot. One, there was a fill placed in the floodplain, and two, a garden shed was built on the fill and partially within the floodplain. Both are a big no-no and are actually against federal law. So the course of action had two parts. One, make the incorporated homeowner remove the fill and shed from the floodplain, and two, let Nice Guy place fill in their lot outside the floodplain to counteract the fill remaining in not Nice Guy's lot outside of the floodplain. I also told Nice Guy it'd be a good idea to run a fill tile on their side to drain the water that would inevitably pond up between the two lots when it rained. Predictably, not Nice Guy and Jack Wagon got super angry when I sent the letter out that there were violations that either had to be corrected, remove fill and shed, or apply for a revision of the floodplain with the Army Corps of Engineers. Good luck with that. This then led to a meeting at the county office with not nice guy Jack Wagon, my supervisor and myself. Quickly things went to 11 and there was yelling by Jack Wagon about abuse of power, etc. The department head came into the conference room and told them both they were wrong and that they should leave peacefully or comply or face the consequences big fines. The best part was that Not Nice Guy had to apply for a permit and guess who was the one to review and approve it? Oh, that's right, yours truly. Now I was following the letter of the law but you have to know that poor government workers are underpaid and overworked. Strangely, the permit for Nice Guy was almost immediately approved, while Not Nice Guy had to have a very thorough review to ensure it was correct. You could make a case that I was abusing my power, but I can assure you that the timing for their review was well within acceptable limits. Also, how could I be held to account that they misfiled three times before they finally got it right? Generally, if you behaved like a civil human and came to the office, we would help you get things done properly, so the permit would go through first time. But not nice guy decided he could do it all on his own. So it took him three tries. Had he came to the office, I would have given him the same service as the others, but he decided to take the hard route, and therefore I didn't give a single inch when it came to the submission being perfectly correct. 
Ultimately, the situation was resolved, but it took a lot more effort than it should have. Alright ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for listening to this episode. I can't wait to see you in the next one as always. Peace out, take care. True terrors of horror, bizarre happenings, unexplainable events. On our podcast, Disturbed, terror takes center stage. Each episode is a journey into the darkest corners of human existence, delving into bone-chilling tales of kidnappings, serial killers, maniacs, and the very essence of your worst nightmares coming to life on this weekly true horror show. Disturbed is not for the faint of heart. It's an exploration of real, unadulterated horror sourced from everyday people. Each episode is a descent into the macabre, where we narrate stories that will leave you on the edge of your seat and crawling in your skin. We navigate the disturbing narratives that lurk in the shadows, offering a raw and unfiltered listen into the most terrifying aspects of the human experience. Enter at your own risk and let the unsettling tales unfold in the haunting realm of Disturbed. And remember, listeners, stay safe out there.